Welcome to Radio 5G with Michael Henry Dunn, Nancy Hopkins, and Friends, a Cosmic Reality Radio production. When all the broken-hearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer, let it be. For though they may be parted, there is still a chance that they will see. There will be an answer, let it be. Oh, let it be. Hey, hello everybody. Welcome to Radio 5G. Are we there, Nancy? <laughs> yes, we're there. We're there. Yes, we're on. Okay. Can you hear the end of the music? Well, welcome, everybody. everybody. Here, we Here we are, are. on uh, no. Wednesday, February 17th, 2021. Radio 5G, a joint project of Cosmic Reality Radio and the Sacred Alliance of Global Evolution. So, Nancy, this is Michael Henry Dunn, by the way, folks, and uh, the one and only Nancy L. Hopkins. And, and we've got, we've got uh, uh, a, pretty a pretty interesting, interesting <coughs> recording, recording to share, to share with, with you. you. Um, I'm getting a little echo back there, Nancy. Are you getting that? <clears throat> there we go. Um, Nancy, do you want to describe what uh, we're going to hear this morning and then to, and then explore with everybody? Yes. Um, okay, what we're going to be listening to is a... Uh, uh, audio on vaccinations and there's two women speaking and I'm going to tell you that my recommendation to all of us is that as we listen to this it's going to be an hour but it's it's an easy hour when we listen to this that we actually every time they put out the bad stuff say not in my reality no 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 we're not going to do it it's true in somebody's reality but let's not have this true in our reality does that make sense michael (laughs) oh yeah that's uh that's quantum physics right there right at the level of consciousness you know we uh of course we create our own reality and we create our own timeline with this cumulative consciousness, the collective consciousness of uh, all of humanity, right? And I, I mean, I, I get into um, questions about I get into questions about okay, well, how many consciousnesses does it take to create a timeline? For example, we're going to share this information with you, and we've got, you know, some of it is scary stuff. We need to know about it, but we need to not dwell on it and end up manifesting it. So it's kind of that fine line we're always walking here of of sharing important information with you for your own discernment, for you to check out, do your own research, check it all out, decide what's true. Um, and I'm always having to remind myself, okay, take it in, but don't dwell on it or get depressed by it or think, oh my gosh, we're all toast. Because we're not. We're winning this and we're going to win. Spirit wins. So that's my little speech on the, the quantum reality here. Okay, so this is um, Dr. Sherry. Wait a minute, let me pull this thing up. Why does this? 
It's not gonna let me see it. Oh, come on. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. Okay, Sherry Tenpenny. Penny. Tenpenny. And Renette Senum. So, let's go for it. All right. And when we're done listening, we will... Hello, everyone. This is Renette Senum's Chew on This. Um, thank you so much for being here and listening in. Um, as I put out on Facebook yesterday, we have an incredible guest, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. And um, I would like to bring uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny on here in just a second. Um, here we go. There you go. Hi, Dr. Tenpenny. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And we we're trying to figure out our sound here a moment ago. And of course, I didn't have my sound on. I can't believe it, it was an IQ test. I would have failed. But um, so, well, welcome. I'll tell you, it's, it's such an, uh, an eventful week. I almost don't know where to start these days. Um, as you know, uh, the information keeps coming in left and right um, about the developments. Uh, around lockdowns and uh, coronavirus and the vaccinations. And um, before we really start getting into these blades of grass, what I really would love, if you don't mind, is could you just give our viewers your background? Sure. Um, I am an osteopathic medical doctor. I have been in the practice of medicine since 1985, which, do the math, you can tell how old I am. <laughs> We won't do that. We won't do we that. We won't do that. Okay. Uh, my first career, I was board certified in emergency medicine and the director of a level two trauma center for 12 years. I moved to Cleveland in 1996, and I started an integrative medicine practice here in Cleveland, which I'm proud to say we've served patients from all 50 states and about 17 foreign countries to get them well and get off their pharmaceutical drugs. Um, we have a, a very a, a sizable staff. I have another medical doctor, um, Dr. Janet Levitin, who is a board-certified pediatrician and also treats both adults and children in, homeopathic, in, in homeopathy. I have three nurse practitioners, a physician's assistant, a chiropractor, and a big staff of people that are just wonderful to work with. I think the shortest-term employee that I have is about seven years. Wow. And so we've, we've worked together for a really long time. And um, I got interested in problems associated with vaccines when I went to the National Vaccine Information Center meeting in Washington, D.C. in September of 2000. And I came home from that four-day meeting and said, how did I miss this? I grew up in a chiropractic family. Um, I was not vaccinated as a child. I had all the age-appropriate measles, mumps, rubella, and chickenpox, and I think I'm soon to be 63 years old, and I think that's the reason I'm as healthy as I am, and I can ride the pony pretty hard and I never get <laughs> sick because I, my, my immune system was allowed to be exercised and do what it was supposed to do at that age-appropriate level, and my parents didn't vaccinate me with all those poisons. And part of that was my mom grew up in the Deep South, and she said we were too poor to be vaccinated, and my dad entered into the Korean War and got all of those shots to be a, in the military and never was so sick in his entire life. And so when they got married and I was born, they said, we're not doing that. And so by the grace of God, that didn't happen to me. And when I came home from that meeting in, in Washington, D.C., I said, I should probably look into this. This seems like I, I sat through four days of listening to medical doctors and scientists and lawyers and parents of vaccine-injured kids. And I went, how did this sector of my education elude me? Right. So I started looking at the CDC documents, and that whole. And after I read the first one, the general recommendations of vaccination, the 1998 version of that, I went, 
this is it. I mean, this is what the entire industry is, is run off of this poorly written bad science paper. Maybe I ought to read a little bit more. Well, that little bit more has been 20 years and well, well over 40, 40, 40,000 hours worth of, of research and writing. And I've written two books and that are currently out of print because our publisher went out of business and I didn't have the, the main files. And uh, they, um, and I've contributed chapters to other books, and I've written hundreds of articles that have been translated into, I don't know, 12 or 14 languages around the world. And so I'm kind of like the go-to girl on problems associated with vaccines. And it's, there's always something new, unfortunately. There's always something bad happening, whether it's politics or laws or new vaccines or uh, unbelievably bad adjuvants. Or, and people keep having babies. Imagine that. And so because they keep having babies, there's always a new audience to talk to to tell them you must ask what's coming through the needle. And with the COVID stuff that started back in March, I mean, I've got, you know, I've taken a deep dive into that, obviously. And I'm very passionate about letting people know what's in that, these vaccines and why you must refuse no matter what because these vaccines are deadly. They're they, not vaccinations. They're, we've never had anything like them. Well, ostensibly, a def by definition, a vaccine is, e is either a medicine, it's classified as a medicine, but by definition, a vaccine is, is, is a molecule that's injected into your body that generates an antibody. Right. That, by definition, is what a vaccine is, and this does that. The problem is, is that the antibodies that it generates are going, are going to be deadly, and it's going to take somewhere between four months and maybe 14 months before we see the full ravage of what's going to happen to people who are vaccinated with this vaccine. That's scary. That's scary. So let's talk about that. And it should so, be. Yeah. Because, it, I, because one of the things I've said, Renette, and you've heard me say it, and I know you take the same position, we are at a critical juncture in time for all of humanity on a lot of different levels. Yes. And we are past the time of hand-holding, pussyfooting around, being careful to not offend anybody, and being so gentle with the snowflakes that they, you know, we're, we just can't do it anymore. No, this is, this is definitely, uh, we're at a crossroads, this is life and death, and you know, I already have friends and loved ones I know who have received the vaccination. And we also have reports of doctors dying. We have reports here even locally at our local hospital, uh, people getting the vaccination, and within, you know, 20, 40 minutes, they, they stroke out. The same thing in Sacramento, doctors stroked out. It's only the stroke. beginning. We've been, look at how we've been doing these vaccinations in, the, in America for a month. And in 30 days, we have over 40,000 adverse events reported to the Vaccine Adverse Event Database. I got the document dropped to me yesterday. It's 172 pages long. We have over 40,000 adverse events. We have over 3,100 cases of anaphylactic shock. We have over 5,000 neurological reactions, which can range from headaches to numbness and paresthesias to headaches to, to dizziness to vertigo to, to feeling like you can't feel your hands or your feet right. um, in 30 days. Now, and it's been estimated that less than 10% of adverse reactions that actually occur are reported to theirs. So, if it, so what's actually, so can you think of one single product? In any industry, oh. any industry, for as long as products have been made on the planet, that within 30 days we have 40, 
thousand people complaining of side effects that not only is still on the market, but is full court press, and we've got paid actors telling us how great they are for getting their vaccine. And we're offering people $500 if they will just get, get their vaccine. And we've got nurses and doctors going, I got the vaccine, I got the vaccine. Well, they're not going to be so happy dancy folks when they start to get their Bell's palsy, when they start to get their neuropathies, when they get their cardiac arrhythmias, when they get their ITP, their autoimmune reactions, and causes them to die of a blood disorder, they're not going to be so happy, happy then. No. But we're never going to see pictures of those people. No, we're not. And when you do their scrub relatively quickly. Uh, you know, we had an incident here. A dear friend of mine was in our Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital last week in the ER, and he saw a nurse coming in in a wheelchair, and he thought maybe they were testing out the wheelchair or something. He didn't understand why she's in the wheelchair. And they put her in the bed next to him, and, of course, they, you know, pull the curtain around her. And the doctor comes in, and uh, basically uh, she, um, you know, her she can't swallow. Her throat is swelling up, and she can't swallow. And, of course, then the doctor said, well, did you get, did you get the vaccination? She goes, yeah, about 40 minutes ago. And he goes, oh, yes, when I got the vaccination, I lost the mobility of my arm for 36 hours. Oh, well, that's okay. Oh, that's okay. I just, everything but dead is okay. But he said to her, but good for you for getting the, good for you for getting the vaccination. And I'm thinking, she's going to anaphylactic shock. She's being injured. This is just the beginning. You don't know what the rest is going to be. And I was just floored that he was not concerned that just the two of them have already been injured, and he's congratulating her. So, and that's the other thing that's really quite disconcerting for me is that, um, you know, there is this MO of industry that if they can tell you, because they announced to us week, weeks ago, right, don't be concerned, people are going to die and they're going to get maimed, just expect that. And I'm like, you know, they have this methodology that if they know that if they can just tell you ahead of what they're going to do, uh, then they can do it. They have permission. And... And people are okay with this. And I just put out my Facebook page today. I said, you know what, guys? I said, um, if you had a gun and in the chambers was one bullet, would you put that gun to your head or that to your, uh, your child's head? Would you be willing to play a game of Russian roulette? Because when you go and get, get this vaccination, this is exactly what you are doing to yourself and your family members, not just when you get the shot immediately, but for months and months and months and months and months, it's a, it's a constant game of Russian roulette because you don't know, as, and we're going to get into these details, you don't know what is going to uh, trigger it, right? So what I would love to do is I have here the different breakdowns, which you did a beautiful job, by the way, of breaking down what's in the Pfizer vaccination, what's in the Moderna, or what's not in the Moderna because they don't have the ingredients, um, in the AstraZeneca. Um, could you just talk about, like, what are in these uh, variety of vaccinations, what they are, what they can do, what they can't do, and what the dangers are? Can you speak to that? Yeah, let me just pull the article up because I know you're looking at it off of my, off of Vaxter, off of my website. Right. Hold on one second. Let me just get it in front of me so I can talk intelligently. Sure. It was a long day yesterday. Oh, long, yeah, that was a historically long day yesterday. <laughs> well, yesterday, I, you know, I, just for me personally, I had gone to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning the night before because I was up working on things, and I got up at 8, and I saw patients all day in the office yesterday from 8 until 6, 
and then I hopped in the car and drove an hour south from here and gave a, a talk last night to 450 people, got home and ate dinner about 1130 last night. Wow. So, so when I say it was a long day yesterday, right. on top of all the politics, that was my, my normal day of yesterday. Right, exactly. So the, the, main, the, mona, the main thing I want to say about the ingredients has two things about the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, that actually three things that we have never, ever, ever seen in any other vaccine. And there are um, about 70 vaccines that are approved for use here in the United States. I know you've got an international market, uh, an international audience. Some of the vaccines differ a bit by ingredients and by dosage schedules internationally. But here in the U.S., we've got 72 vaccines that are approved for use. Now, not all of them are used in all people, like, for example, the cholera vaccine is approved, typhoid, Japanese encephalitis, anthrax. I mean, those are approved and they're used, in the, unfortunately, in the military. But there are about 72 common vaccines of DPT, chickenpox, MMR, et cetera. Um, we have never, ever, ever used messenger RNA in any vaccine, ever. We have RNA vaccines. The measles vaccine is an RNA virus. The polio virus is, a, is an RNA virus. But the difference is, is that in those vaccines, the, the virus is, in, is part of the vaccine wholly intact. So when your body generates an antibody, it's against the outer coating proteins of that virus. What we're doing with this new virus is we're taking a little piece of that virus's genetics, specifically associated with what's called the spike protein, and we're injecting that into the body, creating something called a non-neutralizing antibody, which in essence, instead of taking that messenger RNA and gobbling it up and making it go away, like what happens when you get a measles vaccine and you get a measles and it gobbles it up and makes it go away, this non-neutralizing antibody actually it creates something called antibody-dependent enhancement. And they refer to that as ADE, like Apple David Elephant, ADE. And antibody-dependent um, enhancement actually allows that little piece of messenger RNA to start replicating on its own and, and go over and over and over again, creating these little pieces of virus spike proteins inside of our body for our body to create an antibody against this is what Bill Gates has said, yes, human beings can become their own vaccine manufacturing machine because we interject this messenger RNA that gobble, that binds onto your reverse transcriptase enzymes and starts replicating itself over and over again, creating more antibodies against the spike protein. Now, here's where it gets really, really interesting, Renette, is that that spike protein has been shown in two other very specific ways to cause injury. Number one is that when you, create an, this, when you create an antibody to that spike protein, antibodies actually are designed, and when we write about them in the literature, we design it, we make it look like a, the letter Y, the letter Y. And the, t the two arms of the Y, they call them FAB fragments, like Frank Appleberry, FAB fragments. And the stem down here at the bottom, the part of, part of the Y is the FAC fragment. These are the ones that grab hold of the virus and generally neutralize it. When you look at the messenger RNA, it grabs hold of it, but kind of loosely binds it. And when this FAC fragment goes over and hooks onto the macrophage that is supposed to kill it, and it gets taken inside, that messenger RNA gets released. 
And that's where it starts to replicate over and over again. It's like having an on button, but no off button. And that whole thing, they, that whole mechanism I just described to you, they actually give it a name, and they call it the Trojan horse mechanism because it allows that virus and that piece of that of that virus to get inside of your cells start to replicate and even get inserted into other parts of your DNA as a trojan horse now that's one of three mechanisms the second mechanism is when you create this antibody this non-neutralizing antibody to the messenger RNA it actually that that stem that FAC segment to that spike protein can actually go into your lungs and attach to the lung tissue and start developing what they call a diffuse alveolar damage, which is diffuse injury to the cells inside of your lungs where you breathe. Oh. It starts to break them down and destroy them. Yeah. And, what we, and, and what those antibodies do is that they cause various degrees of pus, and bleeding and damage to your lungs. So as you get this vaccine, the messenger RNA, you create this antibody. The antibody carries the, the thing inside of the cells through a Trojan horse mechanism. The antibody itself goes and starts to damage lungs. And the third and even more sinister thing is that spike protein antibody can attack your macrophages. Now, there's two types of macrophages. There are type 1 and type 2. Type 1 macrophages, now macrophages are a type of white blood cell that gobble up the, the bacteria and viruses in your system that aren't supposed to be there. They're your Th1 pathway, they're your hypervigilant white blood cells. So when we get bacteria in our body all day long, from eating, brushing teeth, go to the bathroom, having sex, cutting your fingers, those white blood cells just come along and they gobble things up and make them go away. When you get pneumonia or some sort of serious infection, the type 1 macrophages are pro-inflammatory. And they show up at the infection and start creating cytokines and blowing whistles and bringing in all the things to try to kill off the infection. Very, very aggressive and very highly inflammatory, which is what you want. The type 2 macrophages are anti-inflammatory. So as you start to recover, the type 2 macrophages come in Tell the other guys to shut up. We're here to clean up the mess. So we clean up the dead debris of the tissue, the dead white blood cells, and all these things. So the type 2 macrophages and the type 1 work in concert. Type 1 kill off the infection and type 2 heal it. When you've got this antibody to the spike protein, which is the full intent and purpose of these vaccines, that antibody kills your type 2 macrophages. It attaches the, to them and inactivates them. So in the experimental animals that actually died of, of lung inf infection and inflammation, when they sacrificed them, what they found was that all of, these, uh, all of the, the lungs were filled up with all of these type 1 pro-inflammatory, highly cytokine types of macrophages and zero type 2 macrophages. What they did, and they sacrificed the animals that had not been vaccinated but had been sick, what they found that was in two days of getting sick, without the infection, without the antibody, without the vaccine, the type 2 macrophages had come into the infection and started cleaning up the mess and started healing it as long as they didn't have the presence of a spike antibody. Wow. With the presence of the spike antibody, it killed them 
and didn't allow them to do their job. So those are three of probably seven mechanisms of how this vaccine is going to cause a problem. The antibody to the spike protein is going to destroy your lungs. The antibody to the spike protein is going to shut off your M2 anti-inflammatory macrophages. And the, third, the antibody to the spike protein is going to loosely bind that virus or loosely bind the messenger RNA and drag it inside of your cell through a Trojan horse phenomenon, make it start replicating and having this process go on and on and on and on and on and on and on because it's an on button without an off button. This is just, I mean, this is why you're saying people are going to start dying within a year, year and a half. It's just, it's just. And, and, what has, with, with the, and it's really the, all of the mechanism, when you go back and look at all of the studies that go all the way back to 2002 of how they've tried to develop a coronavirus vaccine. Right. Is that it, you get these antibodies. So you go and you get this antibody. It's not doing anything. It's floating around waiting for something to do. And then garden variety coronavirus shows up. And that's what activates the whole process. It's the re-exposure that leads to the antibody-dependent enhancement and all this accelerated autoimmune disease. There are 36 different coronaviruses in the environment, seven of them known to infect humans, and they've been around for 60 years. They're out there long before COVID ever showed up. So we're going to get these antibodies, these non-binding antibodies, and it's going to, a, a, a coronavirus is going to show up and it's going to start killing people. And we're, we're not going to see it right away. So it's not like the, I mean, some people are going to get the shot. And because of some of these other ingredients you want me to talk about, we're going to see anaphylactic shock. Yes. And people are going to die from that. And they're going to die from cardiovascular disease. The doctor, the one doctor that reported dying, got ITP, you know, which is a blood disorder, which is an autoimmune disease that, the, that probably the spike protein antibody starts attacking the red blood cells, breaking it down, and you die from that. Mm. And so some people are going to die from the vaccine directly, but a, a large number of people are going to start to get horribly sick and get all kinds of autoimmune diseases 42 days to maybe a year out. And what are they going to do? These stupid doctors who say, good for you for getting that vaccine. What are they going to say? Oh, it must be a mutant. We need to give an extra dose of that vaccine right. because now the vaccine, we, instead of one dose we, and two doses, we need three or four because the stupid physicians aren't taking the time to learn anything about it. If I can learn this sitting in my living room reading a 19-page paper and several others, so can they. There's nothing special about me. I just take the time to do it. Exactly. That's what I've been asking doctors. Why aren't they taking the same time? So we have uh, Krishna Murphy here asking, are there any references? Do you have your particular website that you could? Uh, yep. uh, if you go to Vaxter Vias and Vaccine, A-X-X-T-E-R.com, mm -hmm. and you click at the top button, it says Dr. Tenpenny's blog. Mm -hmm. I've written a six-part series on code coronavirus. And these last two articles and everything that I'm talking about and referencing here, I mean, you know, of how the mechanism of action is part two, is, is coronavirus part six, and then there's part one, which is about the vaccines, and part two about the autoimmune reaction. So you can find it all right there. And inside of each one of these articles, all of the references are hyperlinked. Perfect. Thank you. Well, and the other thing that was staggering to me is not just what you've just told us. I, I <laughs> I, it, it really, it's hard to get me speechless that these, these ingredients do, but it's even more staggering is Moderna's ingredients have not even been released. Is that correct? Well, we do have some whisperings of some of them, but we don't know all of them. 
And the three ingredients that just blow me away inside of Pfizer's vaccines, I can't even pronounce them. Wow. I'll do, I'll do my best. Okay. Um, Four hydroxybutyl azadenylene bis hexane six comma one dash disyl bis two hexane decyl onylate. <laughs> that's one. That's one ingredient that's never been used in a vaccine ever before. There are three like that. So if you know from basic chemistry, I mean from high school basic chemistry, each individual ingredient may be totally benign on its own. Right. But when you put them in a test tube and you all mix them together, you may blow up the lab. Synergistically correct, yes, right. There's not only have we never tested these vaccines in the, or these ingredients individually in human beings. I don't even think they tested them in animals, to tell you the truth. We've no, we don't have any synergistic toxicity in any of the three of those, not only to give it once, but to give it twice. Right. No long-term studies. We don't know 42 days. We don't even know 40 days out, Renette. We just started giving this 30 days ago. We do know that in, you know, of the 30,000 people that, um, that, that went through the clinical trials, some people died, some people dropped out, some people wouldn't do the second one. There was a large percentage of people, I don't remember the percent off the top of my head, that were, were, were given what was called grade three and four side effects. And by definition, those are side effects that are so severe it impacted their ability to function in daily life. Oh, my God. The only thing these people care about in terms of side effects is did it kill you or not? Right. Because if it didn't kill you and you ended up chronically debilitated with any list of autoimmune or neurological diseases, not a problem. We just made you into a customer for life. And we got this big book of business over here, all these drugs to treat your systems forever. This is a multi-trillion dollar play, and that's one of the reasons why. Mm -hmm. Right, and the thing that's amazing is that we still don't have a vaccination for AIDS, for cancer, for MERS, for SARS. I mean, so it's staggering. And then, and not do we have a vaccination supposedly for coronavirus 19, all right, within a matter of a few months, but we have several vaccinations in a matter of a few months for coronavirus 19. I mean, this right there should be a red flag to everybody. Well, and, and what was interesting is AstraZeneca's, you know, so we've got the Pfizer vaccine, we've got the Moderna vaccine, and we've got AstraZeneca's. Now, when you, when you take a step back, when they first decided to make, give all of these drug companies 100% liability protection for everything they make. So if any one of these ingredients, any one of these vaccines kill you, no recourse, you have nobody to sue. If it puts you in the intensive care unit for months, no problem. So, you know, we're, we're getting wind here that um, our, our governor here in the state of California, Newsom, is going to be possibly bringing in military and really pushing, uh, getting everybody vaccinated. And they're definitely threatening the hospitals right now. Um, uh, they're, they're saying that they're not vaccinating quickly enough and they're threatening uh, removing their funding of different sorts. And we also have reports of uh, nursing homes that are actually giving the vaccination to people who are on their deathbed just so they can bump up their numbers. I mean, that kind of stuff. So talk to me about our Western allopathic uh, medical system. What happened? What went wrong? Well, it didn't start with COVID. <laughs> No, it didn't. <laughs> you know, no. I've been saying for decades, somebody needs to give it a good swift mule kick and kick it off the cliff and let it fall to the bottom and crash and burn and then pick up the pieces that are of value and start over. 
I mean, it's just gotten to be, you know, what it's, it all the way goes back actually to the 1935 Social Security Act here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. is when they, when they passed the Social Security Act and they started, they started to develop uh, the Vaccine for Children's Fund and they started doing all of those things back in the, that was in 1960 something. And then in the early 1990s when they started developing unlimited fu- uh, uh, funds for the vaccine system and when we started giving vaccines to children at birth in 1991 from the hepatitis B vaccine, and we started seeing an accelerated autoimmune and cancers disorders in adults and children. I mean, it's been a growing Freddy monster for a very long time. And somebody put in there, yes, it started with the Flexner Report in 1920s, yeah. And it probably started even before that. It's probably started back in the, 19, in the 1800s when they, when they put Sybil Weiss in prison and beat him to death because he dared to tell the doctors to wash their hands. I mean, it, who knows how, how far back it went. It's I, just, it, and someone just wrote, medicine is the youngest of all and the most dangerous and the most deadly of all of them. Mm-hmm. But I think that when Rockefeller took over the medical schools and it, it just got horrible and I don't know. You know, I graduated from medical school in 1984, and between 84 and I'll say 2004, you know, those those uh, 20, those 30 years, right? 40 years. Oh my! I mean, we went from respecting the body and doing anatomy and dissection, you know, to uh, doing virtual anatomy online, and and we went to algorithm-driven medicine, you know, symptom pill, symptom pill, symptom pill, symptom pill. I say the last of the thinking doctors died in the 1940s. I mean, they started the British Medical Journal and the Lancet as a communication tool of going, hey, guys, I just saw 20 patients that had this, and I treated them with this, and, you know, 18 out of 20 of them got better. Does anybody know why that would have been? What's What's the anatomy and the physiology behind why that worked? And they tried to think it through because doctors are supposed to be experts in anatomy, physiology, and biochemistry. And instead, somewhere along the way, we decided that those things weren't important. What was important was matching up a symptom with a pill, and pharmacology and surgery was what it was about to be a doctor. Not thinking through, you know, what is the underlying thing. Because there's only two things that make people sick, Lynette. There's only two. There's only two, Lynette. There's only two. One is an excess of something, too much toxicities, too much, you know, bad food, you know, all those things, or an excess of something like a vitamin, mineral, nutrient, lack of love, lack of exercise, lack of sleep. It's only the two things. And we made it so complicated. Right. And if we just figure out that when somebody has a pathology du jour, name it, it, the source code starts in something missing or overpowering your biochemistry that makes your physiology start to fizzle and burn like your car engine running and smoking, Mm -hmm. and that shows up in your body as a symptom. Mm -hmm. Well, what we do instead in Western medicine is when we see that smoke coming out of our car engine, instead of going, hey, what caused that fire, Mm -hmm. we go pour water on it and shut it down. It's like walking into your house at night and hearing a fire alarm, and you rip that battery out and throw it in the trash can and say, well, that was making a lot of noise, and never looking for the fire. Because as long as we've got enough suppressive medicine to shut down the noise, um, we never look for the underlying cause of the fire. Well, and, and, you know, in medical school, how much time do you guys spend on uh, nutrition? None. 
Right. Maybe a, maybe a couple hours. Isn't that astounding? It's horrifying. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to make a premonition here. I've been talking to different folks, and um, and I'm getting this, you know, through the grapevine about the possibility of really starting to ramp up vaccinations in the state of California, and I'm sure other uh, democratically-led uh, states. And I was saying, well, how, uh, how in the world are, are they going to convince so many people to get vaccinated? And the person said, well, you know, one of the things they're really talking about right now is forgiving student loans. Oh, wow. You know, that ball and chain that ball and chain for young people is put there by design, right? So I'm like, oh, of course, because now they're all living home. They don't have a job. They have no hope. They have this financial ball and chain. And of course, and they're convinced the vaccinations, because the education system, including the higher education system, has taught them the vaccinations are safe. Autism, the, the link between autism and vaccination, there isn't any. And um, so, and then on top of that, there's some other really interesting developments that have been going on. So we have that. I've been hearing that. The other thing is, of course, we now have more people than ever who are now living in their cars, losing their homes, you know, and their apartments and so on, don't have a job. And so they're going to be very, very desperate. But this is another really interesting little fact is that a few months ago, Governor Newsom announced that they're going to be doing a uh, moratorium on rents. And basically what they were going to do was they were going to make it so you did not have to pay your rent up to, for a few months. If you could pay maybe a quarter of it, that would be great. But it's not that you're not paying the rent. It's just that you don't have to pay it right then. You have to pay it later on. What was really fascinating is that when a person um, uh, you know, uh, applies to this program, do you know who the leaseholder becomes of that, that lease? I'm, I'm terrified. Who? The CDC. No. Yeah. The CDC is now the largest leaseholder in America. Oh, God. And you know what I bet's going to happen? They're going to say, oh, you guys, you don't have to pay all that back rent. We know you don't have a job and an income, and you've, you've absolutely eviscerated your savings account. So don't you worry. But you know what? We'll forgive you. All you need you know, is a little pokey. And we've got you covered. The CDC. Oh, my gosh. That is horrifying. Yes. That is horrifying. Yeah. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, what, what is up here? Why in the world is the CDC becoming a landlord? Right? Because they want, this is all, they're not, we're not going to capitulate on our own, right? We're going to have to be forced into it. So it's either going to be student loan debt forgiveness, it's going to be I have no job, I have to put food on the table, or it's going to be, gosh, thanks for that moratorium on my rent, but now... Governor Newsom, now that you've destroyed every business out there and I can't even go job hunting because the jobs don't exist, I can't pay my back rent and I'm going to become homeless. What's the big deal over a vaccination? What's the big just? It's just a couple shots. It's horrific. Except when we take a step back and we look at, you know, when all this money trough stuff started coming, there were 219 vaccines in the pipeline development. Right. You know, just for COVID vaccines alone, before we went into COVID, you know, a couple years ago, there were over 200 vaccines in the developmental pipeline for other types of vaccines, mm -hmm. for all kinds of things, mm -hmm. mental disorders, periodontal disease, high cholesterol. I mean, of course, not, nothing could go wrong with any of those things, right? No. No. So this is really, and you know, it's so interesting, Renette, because... Um, you know, I've known about all these things for years. I mean, actually, I've, I've said this on a few interviews, is that I kind of, um, 
I kind of grew up on this stuff. I mean, I had an uncle that was way, way into like studying the stuff about the Illuminati and the Council of Foreign Relations and all these different things way back when I was a kid. And I had a, my family had a whole library on all these types of things that were all labeled as conspiracy theories and things you sort of whispered about. So I've known about this stuff for a long time. But when you start talking about up until recently, meaning in the last year, when you talked about vaccines as it took a long time to move the needle to this far for people to say, start to question the religion of vaccination and the, and on the belief in vaccines, because we have a multi-generational indoctrination that's 200 years old of safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. It's like saying salt and pepper, salt and pepper, salt and pepper. Just because you say it over and over again makes it true. Right. And that they're so necessary. And if you don't get your kids vaccinated, I mean, they just might die or something. Right. Or you're just such a heretic. So it took me 20 years to move the needle from here to here. In the last nine months, we moved it to here. Right. Of people questioning, looking at these things and starting to say, what's going to happen? I've been saying for at least five years now, they will never make this mandatory, but they will make it so unbelievably difficult to live right. that, that the vast majority of people will roll over. They, they floated this, uh, this in, in Argentina about five years ago, that you couldn't renew your driver's license, renew your passport, unless you showed a completed vaccination record as an adult. Yeah. Well, what else could they add to that laundry list? You can't get groceries. Uh, you can't even have people deliver groceries to your house unless you're vaccinated to protect the person who's delivering the groceries to your house, for heaven's sakes. I mean, you can't get gas for your car. You can't uh, access your bank account or your bank money unless you've got your little microdot tattoo in your hand of where they can scan it for you. So we have now fully come full circle in understanding that vaccine, vaccines have are now and, and people listen to this closely, always have been a method of mass destruction, a method of depopulation, a method of creating customers for life. When they started giving hepatitis B vaccines at birth in 1991, it was, it was a carte blanche, uh, uh, bar the doors, because in 1986, they were given complete liability protection. In 2005, their liability protection went far beyond anything that we've ever seen before for everything COVID-related, the tests, the injection, the sites, the people, everything. And now people understand this is truly a control weapon and a weapon to, to make you be either, either make you chronically sick or kill you or put you into subjugation in, trans, in the transhumanism movement for the rest of your life. You know, my partner and I, had, we've had some hard conversations with family members and friends saying, look at guys, we're giving you all the information, including what you've provided on your Baxter uh, website. Um, you need to educate yourself about this vaccination. And you have to understand, and this is some hard love, but if you take the vaccination and you get maimed and you can't care for yourself, we're going to tell you now, we're not going to care for you. We're not going to be have being, we're not going to be burdened by the ball and chain of your irresponsibility and stupidity for going along with this and being vaccinated and being a guinea pig. And we've told this to our family members, like, please don't do it because if you get maimed and you can't care for yourself, we're not going to do it. We're warning you. And so the family knows, and that's actually made them think twice. But and what was their response? Uh, 
well, there's a couple where I, there's no way we're going to do it, and there's a couple who've said, send me the information. I have other dear friends, uh, so there's my partner, who they've taken the vaccination, and their children have taken the vaccination. And we're just like... Children? Yeah. Adult sure. children. Adult oh, children have taken the vaccination. Okay. And so we're just like, you know, because, you know, we're the ones when, when family or friends are sick, we'll bring a meal, we'll, do, we'll go get, you know, the medications, we'll run errands for them. We're like, we're not going to do that. We, you know... Your decision is not going to become our burden. And this is really tough love, but you have to understand you are on your own. And, um, and it's, you know, it's a tough decision and, you know, to make in the conversation to have, but we're, we're doing it because we're really trying to, uh, you know, create a, a shot across the bow of, like, look at guys, this is extraordinarily, uh, you know, extraordinarily important that you understand what you're doing. And, you know, in fact, um, gosh, I have some other little questions here. Um, you know, what kind of to go with that, I mean, I think that so many people are in such a deep coma, coma, over all of this stuff. The fear has taken away their brain, and the only way to wake them up is with those side, sort of strong conversations. I've said a couple of times, the only way that we can wake people up is to get a, get a pan out of the drawer and a wooden spoon and bang it in front yeah. of their heads. Yeah. Well, I actually just did that recently to our city council members a few weeks ago. <laughs> They were literally they were they're making a decision to find everyone in in businesses on the street for not wearing a mask in downtown little tiny Nevada city and 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 I was like, are you crazy I mean ninety five percent of people are wearing their masks for god's sake and and so they were ignoring us and they ignored the eighty four letters that came in against this idea and the twelve that supported it, and we literally were banging our pots and pans in front of the mayor and vice mayor's home and then city hall and they still voted for it and let me tell you something, sherry, ever since then, do you know what's happened to our beautiful historic lovely uh, tourist friendly town downtown it's dead. People won't go to it. They go to our neighboring town, Grass Valley, because they know they're not going to be getting a fine, right? And it was such a nasty message to send out to visitors and to the business owners during the holiday seasons. And I keep saying to people, you know, economic loss, economic loss equals death, right? We know for every 5 to $25 million in economic loss, uh, you, you, you lose a person to depression, to suicide, whatever, right? Um, the suicide rates with the children, the teenagers has skyrocketed. The depression, I mean, that, now the, the homelessness, all of this. And I keep going back to why is it that those lives don't count? It's just it's such a myopic lens. It's very, very dangerous. So, you know, we have a lot of lawsuits pending, but by the time these lawsuits even get through the courts, and I don't know where that's going to land, we're going to have a, a lot of dead people, even for... I think, what is it, uh, for every percentile of, of, of job loss you lose across the United States, you lose 37,000 lives. Wow. Yeah. And so, again, I go back to, in like our, our own Nevada County Health Department, uh, over a month ago, I did a public records request on them saying, I want all the vital statistics of the last three years. I want to see the flu deaths. I want to see suicides, drug overdoses, so on, just everything, every single month of the last three years. And I want to compare them to this last year. And you know what they said to me? We went back and forth and back and forth. And they wouldn't put this in writing, by the way. They had the legal counsel actually just call me and have the conversation and say, oh, no, it was just too much to put in writing. And what they told me was that, well, we're not, we, we actually don't have that, that data. We're not looking at that data. And I was like, okay, this means there's one of two things. Either you have the data and you don't want to share it with us because it's damning, or you really haven't looked at the data, and you are actually making decisions in the dark. 
completely blind because that is one reason why I stepped off the council back in July was because at that point in time I was asking for months like hey what's the data what's the end goal what's the metrics what are we shooting for here and they kept hinting but would not say directly because they didn't want to was that basically we're now this county has a very low uh, herd immunity and what they really meant was like a vaccination rate we were like one of the lowest vaccination vaccination rates in the state of California the lowest if not the whole entire country and I said, well, what, so what you're talking about is, you know, vaccinations. I said, because if you're talking about herd immunity, then don't you want us to go out and, and, and boost our acquired herd immunity? Go out there, get the vitamin C and eat healthy, get exercise, you know, uh, you know, have the government actually distribute vitamin C and D, right, and zinc tablets and so on. And there's absolutely no discussion. And there is definitely a methodology within government. And that is if they don't mention suicides, depression, job loss, right, um, overdoses, they believe that if they don't mention these words, that they're not responsible to them. That's the methodology. So, you know, so it's just so upset. And, and by the way, I mean, you almost, if you don't laugh about it, you'll go shoot somebody. I know. I just tempting, uh, you know, so the, the, and our newspaper finally did get out of uh, the California CDC uh, website. Um, they actually were able to uncover that 100% of all of our deaths so far, which is rather minimal really in this county, have been in the nursing homes. Now let me tell you what's also going on. I'm now because I have people coming to me, as you can imagine, who are in the medical world. And they're telling me, Renette, we are holding on to our coded patients longer in the hospital just so we can keep the numbers up. Renette, we are delivering code to patients, those who are on the very beginning and are very infectious, but could go home if you just give them the protocols. But what we're doing is we're taking them, or those who are on the end of their life because of COVID, um, and we're, just, we're actually sending them to the nursing homes. And we have a place here called Spring Hill Manor that has had 50% of all the deaths have been in this one nursing home, which should be triggering actually an investigation. And what I've been told is that they have in this one wing, they have the COVID patients on one side of, of the hallway and all the bed, all the, uh, the rooms. And then on the other side, they have the normal patients, right, the nursing home patients. And in the middle is the hallway with a red strip of tape down the middle. And that is the only thing that is separating the COVID from the non-COVID patients. A piece of striped tape yeah. on the floor? Yeah, that's it. Oh. In, the same, in the same wing. So this, this kind of... Stupidity, insanity, right, is I, I will not partake in. I've been saying over and over to everyone around here, I'm like, you guys, you're committing crimes against humanity. This is actually a genocide. And let me tell you, when World War II happened and it became known to the public that these concentration camps actually existed, it took some people decades, decades, to actually recognize and admit it happened because it was so horrific. We did not believe that our humanity could do that to one another. Right? We could not do that, and we're doing it. I'm seeing it, and, and, and the, our, our, our medical workers right now are beside themselves, but they're afraid, as you know. They're afraid to speak out because you've been subjected right, to, to ridicule. I've been su subjected. Uh, we have you know, Dr. Christian Northrup. Anybody who speaks up, even Senator Scott Jensen, who's the head of the COVID chair, you know, uh, commission for the, for the United States and is actually a 35-year-long practicing MD, has been eviscerated, and even the medical board has threatened to remove his license as a doctor. I mean, this is what we are up against. This is not normal. This is, a, this is from what I can see, 
is a genocidal program. But by the time we really realize it, most people will have been vaccinated, not because they were choosing to do so, but because they really had no other, you know, alternative. And you are very familiar with the credit, um, the social credit program of China. And I've been saying to folks, guys, China's handprints and communism is all around this right now. And I didn't speak about China or communism a few months ago. I talked to my best friend saying, how often have you heard me complain about China and communism? They're like, never. I'm like, well, I am now because I'm aware of it. And here we have China, who, by the way, had a wonderful New Year's Eve, and they weren't closed down. They were out in the street celebrating, and they haven't been vaccinated. Isn't that amazing? And, and so you have them there, but they do have the social credit system, which is what you're talking about. It actually gives you a ranking according to are you vaccinated, right? What's your political you know, standing? Who do you hang with? Do you uh, rent video games? What kind of movies are you watching? What kind of clothes do you wear? What kind of food are you eating? Are you exercising? Did you jaywalk? And according to this credit rating... The lower the credit rating is, the less freedom you have, which we now have millions of Chinese who can't get on planes, can't get on buses, can't get uh, uh, on railways, right? They can't go into stores, and some of them, it's all through their app. Even Silicon Valley announced this a few months ago. We're making it, we're making it for, for Americans. We're so excited about this. And there's an app, and the app will be either orange or green when you go to leave your apartment building. And if you are orange, you have to stay in your apartment building, and you can't leave. So when I say to people, if you want to know what our future looks like, all you need to do is look at China. And you have Governor Newsom, who is definitely a Chinese foot soldier. This man is so involved with the Chinese Communist Party, it's not even funny, including the, you know, the, the billion-dollar mask deal that was completely right, um, swept under the, the rug when it was discovered. But he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even admit to it you know, happening. He wouldn't even show, right, transparently, we wouldn't even show what, what the deal was. Um, we've got some serious, serious issues. And I'm trying to say to folks, like, look at guys, no one's going to tell you. But General Flynn and General McInerney have. We're in war, and this is not a war of, of tanks and bullets and bombs. It's not. It's an advanced war. It is a silent war. It is, and they've said this, it is disinformation, misinformation, propaganda, right, brainwashing. And as you probably know, Dr. Bregan, B-R-E-G-G-I-N, well-known um, psychiatrist, he's considered the conscience of a psychiatry, has been absolutely calling out the public health departments and saying, look at guys, we know for a fact it's a very respectable field called fear appeal in, in public health policy. And what it is is that what public health departments do is they literally go out there and they find something to, to, to create a fear within the population that if you don't do this, you may be in harm's way. You could die, you could be, become ill, whatever, right? And they use this and they keep, they keep hitting that message over and over and over again until you go from fear into anxiety, until you finally build up so much pressure, as you know, you can't think straight, you can't, you can't take in new information. And, and, and of course, uh, you want to alleviate that pressure. So you will capitulate and do whatever they say, like take a vaccination or do this or do that, right? And so he's actually calling them out saying, how dare you do this? And this is the most important story of all. I'm going to add another layer to this. Dear friend of mine, Valentina's, owns a restaurant. Valentina's, she's been one of the few really trying to push back. And she, seven years ago, had a 103-year-old German customer who was a regular customer would see her. And she told Valentina a story that was not, it didn't strike her then, but it strikes her now, of the significance. And this 103-year-old German woman, when she was a child, personally knew Adolf Hitler. Wow. 
And she said, we so loved him. He was like this, you know, beloved father figure. And, you know, he, he was very benevolent and charismatic. And we, on Sundays, we'd have balls and dinners and dances for the, the guards and for us. And we just thought he was wonderful. She goes, but do you know how he convinced us initially to hate the Jews? He told us that they were diseased. And that being subjected to them, being near them, could infect us and kill us or our children. Wow. And it was, it was equivalent to the German public health department that was pushing that propaganda. Once he convinced people, the Germans, that Jews were diseased, everything else was easy. Everything else was easy because they were in that, that mode of fear and they were controllable and they were programmable. And that is what Dr. Bregan is, is, is pointing out and uh, to our public health departments across the United States and actually well, around. Well, once they controlled us with, our, with the whole fear, the myth of the mass, mm -hmm. the myth of social distancing, the allowing of, of contact tracing, which is legalized spying, which is right out of the Nazi Germany brown shirt play movement, Right. Once they were able to do that and get the whole freaking world to roll over and be obedient and compliant, it's just a mask. Right. And, and a lot of the people who were sincerely so unbelievably afraid of getting sick because they were going to die, um, the rest is easy, just like the story you just told. And, and the fact that uh, it's been so shocking to me that from the beginning, you know, back in August or September, I, was, I took on the mask issue big. I mean, we partnered with Hugs Over Mask CA. We did a lot of training with them. We started to help start chapters. We did all this. And my motive behind that uh, was that if we can't get people to refuse to wear a mask, they're never going to refuse any of the rest of it. That's right. If we can't That's get right. them to understand the physiology behind how they're harming themselves and right. not helping anybody not protecting anything from anybody and this whole social thing, well, I'm not doing it for me, I'm doing it for you. Mm -hmm. BS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and if we couldn't get people to understand that, then the next rollover right. is just take the vaccine. Right. And, you know, the powers that be, you know, the Klaus Schwab's of the world and, you know, the people all at the, at the upper echelon of the, um, of, the, of the World Economic Forum, they're not stupid people. No. Oh, no. And they've got at their disposal any scientist, Ph.D., government official, anywhere around the world that, the, that money can buy. And they can put together teams of people to plow through the medical literature and to sit around and have meetings to decide what is the best way. How do we use everything that's already been published to cherry pick it to move our agenda forward? That's why when you go to, to weforum.org, when they say, we've been working on this for 50 years, they're not kidding. No, they're and, not. And is that because they have thousands of people, many little desk job people that are doing research and writing reports, and they've got people collating the information to the top. Mm -hmm. So right now what we are experiencing on a global basis is the consolidated work of literally the best and the brightest from their side of the table. They've figured out how to cherry pick the most egregious stuff. They found out to what messaging, what verbal messages. When I wrote my first um, 
coronavirus article back in March, um, you know, it starts out by saying at the top, I'm going to paraphrase it, but something like, unless you've been living in a cloistered monastery for the last several weeks, you have been hit by 2.1 billion messages about the fear of this virus. Mm -hmm. Smash and burn with the mainstream medical, with the mainstream media. They have been able to, to put together the ultimate plan for their ultimate agenda which is genocide, depopulation, making us into slaves through the transhuman movement, and as you so rightly um, described, the social credit score system, to get us all vaccinated, to get away from paper money, to become the cashless society, so by a flip of a switch they can control what you have access to. Mm -hmm. And the mark of the beast is a real thing for those of you who are Christian and spiritually inclined, and you haven't read your Bible in a while, now is the time. I, you know, I'm not a Christian. I've never read the Bible, but I keep saying, you guys, this is the mark of the beast. How is it that I'm not a Christian, not religious whatsoever, spiritual, but not religious, but I'm concerned about this being the mark of the beast, but my Christian friends don't seem to be concerned at all. And that's the other thing. I asked my stepmom a few weeks ago. I said, why is it, what happened to all the ministers, all the priests? They used to be the rebels in the old days, right? They were the ones that would hide people or hide the horses and, you know, do things that have the underground railroads. I said, but they're the ones actually having free vaccination clinics. Just pull your car up and we'll vaccinate in your car. I said, what happened? And she said, well, you know what? She goes, it's actually from their schooling. When they go into the schooling to become a priest or minister, this is what they have been getting taught they're taught not to be the rebels. They're taught to go along with the government mandates and not to question authority because they're actually being taught to these things. And I was just floored, but it certainly did explain it. Now, well, and, then we, and then we have the destruction of, of God in our churches. We took prayer out of schools in 1963. We ramped up the ability to get, you know, to have a, 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 a hundred million abortions. You know, we have access to any sort of nefarious sort of thing. When the shutdown happened, what was the first time ever in the history of humanity? What did we stop? Going to church. Yeah. We, we violated the Constitution and our, and our uh, right to, to uh, civilly, uh, civilly get together and, and aggregate. We, we uh, quickly from 50 people to 20 to 10, because if there's only 10 people in a space, you can't stand around and, and, and try to figure out what's going on and form an insurrection. Well, we took, you know, and, everything. And the thing that's crazy now, too, is that here we have people thinking that they're going to go back to a normal life, right, if they just get the vaccination. And now they've already said, uh-uh, you still got to wear your mask. You still need to social distance. And they have not, they have said that we, we, we can't really say for sure that it's not going to continue to spread anyway. So, um, and we even had a nurse friend here, Sierra Nevada Memorial, who, you know, got vaccinated and a couple few days later got, got COVID and got sick. So... Can you speak to me about the fact that it's not? It, there's no proof of, of it's going to stop the spread. Can you can you speak to that? This goes back to what we were talking about with the antibodies. Right. In fact, if anything, you know, we're starting to see these pop up here and there, like little popcorn things about these mutants. The one question they're not asking are the people who have been, you know, tested and found to have a mutant virus. Mm -hmm. Have you been vaccinated with the COVID vaccine? Mm -hmm. Nobody's asking that question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, it's going to, it's just turn the crank and make it worse, 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 yeah. worse, worse. Well, what we, we have seen this interesting is like, I, I barely go out these days. I pretty much in my home body. And when I do, it's highly limited, a few places. And, and I really don't wear my mask and, and my small pod of friends and family, we're not mask wearers and we're, we're not getting sick at all. 
now I have a lot of friends and family who are mask wearers and they have gotten sick with COVID. Well, the CDC's own data says that of the people that get sick, of the people who are getting sick, over 80% wear masks all the time or most of the time. Right. The people who are not getting sick don't wear a mask. That should be a dead giveaway. Because everything that they've contrived here is the opposite. If they say, if they say up, the real answer is down. If they say wear a mask, the real answer is don't wear a mask. If they say left, the real answer is right. They've got everybody convinced in every area of their life. Think about the complete, you know, when you go back and you watch that We Forum video at the beginning, we have got to change everything on this planet and recreate it in the way to have the planet that we want. That's right. Which everyone should say, who the hell is we? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, Sherry, I just I want to say thank you so very much, and, uh, and I've said this a few times because uh, we have a regular Zoom call with you and some other amazing folks, and I just keep saying that you and Dr. David Martin and Dr. Christian Northrup and Amani and Pam Popper and Peg, all these, these amazing individuals who I now get to see regularly, you are the silver lining around these dark clouds, and, and your, your work is absolutely seminal, important. You are a bright light in these dark days, and I just want to thank you because I know that you all, including myself, take a lot of crud. Um, but uh, as I say to folks, it's, this isn't fun. We're not doing this because it's fun and we're making money from it. We're doing it because we know what's right. And so I just want to thank you so very much for being just an, an amazing human being. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on your, on, and for all of your guests and everybody that's listening. You know, thank you so much, Renette. It's been a pleasure to, to getting to know you through that group because I didn't know you before. No. So, <laughs> I know at all. And so now, you know, it's so great in that group because, um, you know, it's sort of a, it's, for those listening, it's a mastermind group of people that get together. We get together once a week and talk about pretty high-level things and strategy. And strategy, by definition, is how can we best be effective? In in terms of getting this message out and empowering each one of you who are listening, because we're just sowing seeds. We're just setting it out there. Now it's incumbent on each one of you to take these little factoids. Go to my website. Go to Baxter.com. Read the articles on COVID. There's a little icon at the bottom. You can print them out and you can hand them out to people. You know, and they're all hyperlinked to uh, medical journal articles. And, you know, go to vaccine. Another thing you can do is to go to vaccineu.com, vaccine, the letter U.com, and click on the catalog at the top. We now have a four-part, four of our eight-part course that's available online about the myth of the mask, about contact tracing and social distancing, the very, very important uh, uh, lesson about uh, PCR testing and CT values, and right. the same virus, different day. I mean, you really have to understand that cases mean nothing. That's right. And all four of those courses are available for free. All you have to do is go and register. Uh, you just register, and you can start watching the, this thing and download all of the all of the information from the PDF files. You can't download the videos, but you can download the rest of it. So if you go to Vaccine U dot com get those get the courses for free just register you can follow me on twitter or parlor at busy dr t and instagram is just dr tenpenny and um you know but vaxxers where all the 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 headsy information is for all you guys that want the science related articles vaccine you and vaxxer is the place to go fabulous well thank you so much for shining your light uh we'll probably do this again maybe another month or two because i'm sure there'll be more updates on their way 
And, uh, yeah, just thank you so much. And everyone uh, who've been watching us today, thank you so much. Please, if you can, um, share this link widely. It's meant for especially my town of Nevada County, Grass Valley, Nevada City. Uh, my objective is to bring information so you can make your own educated decisions. And so thank you so much for educating us, Sherry. I so greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. I will. You too. So there you go. Do you need a break? Wow. Uh, well, yeah, we're just past the hour, so we should probably take our break at the hour, right? Yes, let's see. Um, what have we got lined up? Well, I'm not really sure here. Let me see. I'm always glad see. to hear the sounds of silence. The sounds of silence. Okay, that's... Uh, all right, give me a second. I, w I just didn't want to touch anything because yesterday I touched something and crashed my computer in the middle of a show. <laughs> Oh, wow, wow. So I said, that's not a good idea. And I've got, okay, I apologize for this. I've been apologizing lately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good Lord. Where is it? Okay, I'm going to play this one. Th because it's a new one. Uh, Ani Avedizian, who's one of our hosts, has put together this thing called Patriot Rap. All right? It's three minutes. <clears throat> and I think, well, if you like rap music, you'll probably love it. If you don't like rap music, you'll probably hate it. But let's just play it because I love it. <laughs> okay? Okay. Attention. You are prisoners of a Our country now resembles zombie land. You're asleep if you don't think this hoax was planned. They swamped our brains with information pollution. Try to teach the kids to hate the Constitution. Time has come along to put an end to this treason. It's time to restore sanity and reason. I am a sick and tired. Tired of the mind control Wake up your pioneers before you 
We're back. That last bat. Last bat. <laughs> well, All right. What, 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 why am I hearing why an echo? Why am I hearing an echo? I don't know. Have you got... Let me see. Well, it, it must be just me and my higher self, higher self, higher self. You know, with a little bit of an echo, echo, echo. <laughs> <laughs> No, something's happening. Yeah, you are not on your headphones? I'm not on my headphones. That's what it is. I'm just talking into the microphone here. Well, that's why I'm getting an echo. Uh, <coughs> okay, so what did you think? Wow, well, you know, it's like uh, reminding me of listening to uh, Dr. Christian Northrup. Um, and with a lot of interesting detail that I hadn't heard before. Chris Northrup provided plenty, but the, you know, the specific ways in which these various versions of the vaccine work and the, you know, the, the very specific science about, about the effects of it and, and, you know, the long-term, well, it's difficult to find another word that, and, then you know genocide population reduction call it what you will you know which um, is going to result is already resulting i mean 40,000 um you know complaints which they guesstimate is 10% of what of the actual incidents um when you combine that with the long term immune system reduction <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're warning, Nancy, you know, to everybody saying, hey, don't get too depressed about this. Just listen to it and go, okay, this will, this is real, but I'm not choosing to make it part of, of my reality going forward. You know, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty fine line because if we don't get alarmed about this, you know, um, we're all toast. We need to get alarmed and take action and share the information, but we need to somehow you know do that while keeping our own hearts high our own spirits high and creating a a reality going forward a timeline going forward of sovereignty of health of freedom um and truth and it's a, it's a tricky game um so how did you i'm curious how did you first hear about this how did this uh, really excellent program come to you 
I have no clue. Because ah. I, I look at so many things and I just click on if it's on if I actually I, if I get a feeling in my stomach you know that I should look at this and I look at it and you know then you get into it and you forget where you came from so many times I went where did I come from how did I get oh. here you know um, do you know but, you know like what is this um, this woman's um, listenership I mean does she have a, a lot of numbers I mean it sounds like it's a little program out of like what she said Nevada City or uh, Nevada County, California. I, this um, is the first time I've run into her. But yeah, see, that, it, that, it certainly that, deserves to be, you know, very widely heard. Well, they're they're still up. This is a bit shoot. Okay, I. Okay. I'm trying to. Th I did. That's right. I did start to see it on YouTube, and I realized it was somebody else that had put it up from somebody else. And so I followed it back to BitChute, and still in BitChute, I'm not sure if the station, that station is hers or whatever, you know, I just didn't go any further. Yeah. Because um, when I realized it was on BitChute, I said, okay, so this is absolutely, you know, some, it would have started on BitChute, YouTube would have gone, I mean, I can't imagine this being up on YouTube, I'm not even going to try to put this on uh, YouTube. And for, like, last week's, what I do is I make this little trailer, this little ad on uh, Radio 5G, you know, the Beware station, Beware 5G right. on uh, YouTube. And I make this little minute uh, video, and I say, you can find this video on BitChute. <laughs> the link below. Right. You know, because we've got so many people in, in YouTube that follow us, and I don't want to lose you, but as soon as I put it up, they're going to take it down, and eventually they'll take the station down. This way, at least I can send you. I'm using Rumble, and you can go over to Rumble, okay. and you can you can see it that way. And plus, we've got podcasts, and we've got archives. So we should hopefully be able to, and the podcasts are getting much more popular. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can help these people get their message out, because it is just... When you hear these two women sit there and talk about it, and they're not particularly, you know, I mean, they're 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 passionate, but they're not emotional. They're reasonable. Right. They're rational. They're not sounding crazy. The the things <clears throat> the the message they're giving sounds crazy, but they yeah. don't sound crazy. And we need these yeah. people's voices. Well, exactly, and for me, listening to this, you know, um, Dr. Tenpenny, uh, you know, 35-year medical doctor, uh, osteopathic, and then integrative medicine. You know, my, my dad, Dr. Paul J. Dunn, was um, a holistic pediatrician, really almost before there was such a thing, starting in the early 1970s in Chicago. Um, Oak Park, Illinois, strictly speaking, and integrative medicine is what I grew up with. You know, I've got a big family, 10 kids, uh, so my dad had already, my mom, too, was his partner, um, had already a laboratory you know, of the 10 of us on which to uh, lovingly experiment with the latest integrative medicine uh, information. So, you know, and, and actually Dr. Christian Northrup, um, was a friend of my mom and dad. Uh, they met her at um, 
in Dean Houston's mystery school um, programs in the in the eighties. And then I met Chris Northrup uh, later um, myself. And you know, this is this this whole idea of uh, gosh, wouldn't it make more sense to go to the cause rather than just do symptom drug, symptom drug, symptom drug, and to hear how you know medical school training has been you know, completely altered to be aligned with big pharma in the last 30 years, um, you know, so that they're no longer trained about, you know, physiology and, and chemistry, let alone the, you know, the little that they were trained in nutrition. She says, you know, practically nothing in, in even in the old days in terms of nutrition. And that was what my parents were all about. My mom had a master's in biochemistry from the University of Chicago, and she did the the nutritional and biochemical workups as part of their integrated medicine practice. So this is all stuff that I grew up with when she's, you know, addressing um, the beginnings of of vaccines and then the just, you know, flat-out madhouse proliferation of, of, of big pharma and the vaccine industry in the wake of the removal of any liability whatsoever. Oh, you died? Sorry. Crippled? Sorry. You know, too bad. Um, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr., God bless him, traces the history of how that liability-free policy began to evolve because the CDC has its roots in the Cold War and in the threat of, oh, there could be, you know, biowarfare that could send over some pathogen, you know, to spread among the population. We better have a whole branch of government lined up to lickety-split come up with vaccines without having the cumbersome testing, or the cumbersome liability. We're just going to need these, right? So anyway, um, it – yeah, like you say, it's, it's daunting. I mean, when you listen to this, Nancy, what is – you know, your best takeaway. Obviously, just the, the information itself is crucial to know. You know, in terms of, let's say, folks like us and our friends and listeners out there who are li- listening to this or hearing it live or hearing podcasts or bit you or whatever, how do, we, how do we work with this excellent information? I mean, is it just about sharing it? Is it about, okay, what action can be taken? Because as she says, and this is one of the grimmest things, in this country, it's going to be very tough to get away with, even with all the brainwashing, we're saying mandatory vaccines. You must all be mandatorily vaccinated, and here's the army coming in and going to poke you with a needle. No, this is America. It's the land of the free. You can do whatever you want. You won't be able to travel or have a bank account, or get gas, or uh, go to school, you know, or probably even use your, you know, your grocery cart. But oh, don't worry, you're free. Yeah, you know, and of course, you've got no apartment, but the CDC is now your leaseholder. I mean, man, that was the mind blower, if that's for real. I find it hard to believe, but it wouldn't surprise me these days that, you know, I'd love to see the documentation on that. 
So I said, oh, no, no, not to worry. You can stay in your apartment. Yeah, we took over your lease because we made clear you wouldn't have to, you know, be evicted during this horrible pandemic. But now CDC holds the lease. So just, you know, take the little poke in your arm and you get to stay in your home. Oh, that's not mandatory. What is, you know, you have no life, which is China all over. Well, that the CDC landowner thing blew me away, too. I, I mean, if I... That would make me doubt everything that she had said before this. But in this day and age, ugh, I mean, I, I, I mean, if you remember, I think we did the the show with um, Austin Fitz that showed how the destruction of the parts of the city are all around Federal Reserve banks. Right, you yeah, know, and who, who would, yeah. who would, who, and y- y- she wasn't, she didn't say, well, maybe this is happening. She started to see a pattern, and then checked it, and then rechecked it with the available data that showed that what, it, you know, well, it would give us another ex- explanation of why that would have happened. All the, well, not all of them, but I forget the numbers, but it was only like two that w- weren't, di- there wasn't a identifiable Federal Reserve building in that area in all the cities that this summer were burned. What's that about? I mean, some of yeah, the stories out there are so insane that the fact that the CDC could be the the holder of I mean, yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> I mean, I don't still believe it. I'm with you. I want to see some documentation yeah, on that I, I one. Need to see because, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, there is disinformation that is put out deliberately to discredit the truth movement. Get the exactly. truth movement believe something completely false that is really far out there and given how much far out there stuff is true well hey why not this could be true the cdc ends up holding the leases of all the people who you know have had covid you know rent relief and eviction relief um now that's the state of california next thing you know right and the next thing you know on snopes this you know stupid pathetic so-called fact checker snopes they go debunked you know the notion that cdc holds your leases and, you know, and then that gets waved in our faces by, you know, people who call us a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists. Oh, Snopes has debunked your crazy theory about the CDC lease. So, you know, yeah, let's, you know, do our due diligence and, uh, you know, find the... But the thing is, these ladies, these women here, very careful, very solid information, you know, hard science... Uh, they then, you know, extrapolate from that and make some some reasonable conclusions, but you know, and interpretations. So, my expectation is that that's probably solid. Yeah, uh, that's, but, that, yeah, me know, too. Yeah, me too. I mean, I hate to say it because it's just. I mean, you heard, you know, Doctor Tenpenny just go, "Oh my God, that can't be." A, that she didn't want to believe it, but she knew. Um, well, wouldn't surprise her given everything else that's going on, but she just, the full horror of it, you know. Horrifying. It's okay. Center for Disease Control has suddenly turned into the largest landlord in America? Uh, <laughs> seriously? And, you know, if that's not going to wake people up, if that's true, I don't know what will. You know, um, something slightly off-kilter about this, folks. You know, oh, that's no problem. You know, we, we've saved your apartment for you, and all you have to do is get the vaccine. Oh, and we'd love to forgive your student loan for you, but all you have to do is get the vaccine, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so it's, um, 
Yeah, it's getting beyond the beyond the beyond the beyond. Well, but you know, they 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 came to the same conclusion I have that what we're talking about is biblical proportions. We're talking yeah. about you know, this is like outrageous. Every place we turn around, there's another gotcha again, gotcha again, gotcha again. And what a, what is our way out? Our way out is by stopping this stuff in our minds. We have got to engage yeah, our spirit. That. It's a spiritual battle of mental warfare. And we really need to pursue the concept that, you know, let's let's get real here. Because they made us afraid of talking God. They made us afraid of talking about the essence that America was a country of God. This is the country that was established under God by its founders. Right. You know, so if you invoke the that term under God, then if you if if you understand even the concept of reality is what you think it is so many people were brought up with that concept whether they acknowledged it or not whether they realized that there's no other country in the world that's ever been established like that so you know i mean there might be some but not 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 that are here today and so you 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 look at this kind of of spiritual battle invoking god well God will listen. God will hear. God has always been there. You know, if you want to go with that round. Or you go with transhumanism, everything is 3D. We can conquer. We can create. We can do. All, we're gods. Now, you either choose the, the concept of a singular energy force of all wisdom and all power, all knowledge. You know, I mean, just there that we are part of created from or you go with the concept of well yeah human beings can conquer them they're as good as gods and and let's just go with that and if we go with that we'll be okay because who was it in silicon valley that said look it you know ai is eventually going to win so let's make friends with it now <laughs> i think it was uh, oh gosh right yeah that, that, that's a neat little trick you know i i just want to just for I like historical accuracy, uh -huh. and so I'm pretty sure that the phrase um, one nation under God in the uh, Pledge of Allegiance to the flag was added um, sometime in the 20th century, I think maybe after uh, World War II, but in, in terms of, okay, from the beginning with the Declaration of Independence preceding the Constitution, right? And this is 13 years before we the people in 1789. We've got 1776. And I just want to read it just to remind us all what that means in terms of the birth of this country. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. And I'm just going to read the first paragraph here, and I'm going to skip to the end. Uh, first paragraph plus a sentence. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature 
and of nature's God, entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and then, of course, goes on, Jefferson and Congress go on to um, enumerate all the offenses that um, King George and his government have perpetrated upon the American people. And so at the end, you know, it says, uh, we declare these United Colonies are of right ought to be free, free and independent states, absolved from all allegiance to the British Crown, all political connection, etc., etc., and, um, and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. After which Benjamin Franklin famously said, um, we must all hang together or we shall certainly hang separately. So anyway, I just wanted <laughs> that to... That was what, brilliant. Thank you for that. That was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's uh, Thomas Jefferson with a few uh, edits by Ben Franklin and, and friends back in 1776. So, yeah, that, that you know, to me, when I, when I look at the whole picture, and they were talking there at the end, like you say, um, I think Dr. Tenpenny said, hey, well, I'm not, you know, a Christian, just I'm spiritual but not religious. And, uh, however, if you want to talk about the mark of the beast and, you know, no one shall be either to, shall be able to either buy or sell without they have the mark of the beast. And that's pretty much what that little pinprick, uh, repeated pinpricks, um, are amounting to. You know, that if you do not have that, you can neither buy nor sell. And, of course, you are compromising your, your genetics, your immune system, your mortality, your freedom, etc. So when I look around, I'm like, okay, anytime you look at a, a massive overkill um, imposition, of control like this in history, you see a massive response. Now this is, you know, about the worst scenario you can imagine because of course the fear is so bad right now that people's brains are shutting down in the face of it. But nevertheless, I mean, we're already seeing the response in terms of, um, okay, so you're going to shut down the system to us. It's going to be unavailable to us because we refuse to be vaccinated. Well, guess what's going to arise? Separate systems, separate currencies, separate communities banding together to support each other. New systems arising, you know, breakaway counties refusing to go along with the states, possible breakaway states refusing to go along with, you know, the top-down federal imposition of this stuff. Um, this, is, this is what's already happening. And... So over the long haul, you know, how does that play out such that the sovereignty of American citizens eventually returns to us by, by virtue of our own efforts? You know, the, the, historically, you look at these periods of instability where the center can't hold and, the, you know, the central authority breaks down and there's breakaway regions. You know, these are known, if you look at, like, the history of ancient China, the history of ancient Egypt, you know, uh, the time between pharaohs, the time of troubles, you know, the time of three emperors, you know, they were, 
there are these periods of, of instability when um, when the oligarchy gets so out of hand that the people rebel and decentralize the authority of whatever oligarchy has seized power at the time. I mean, this is just a repeated pattern throughout history that you can look at. And so without advocating these things, of course, I'm not advocating a breakup of the union. Um, I'm just citing the historical precedents, which could lead us to think that, that, that a thing like that is distinctly possible, given what we see going on. And I just look at locally in my own area here of southern Colorado, and I see good, responsible, level-headed, caring American folks getting together to say, okay, how can we assert our sovereignty in a peaceful way? How can we, you know, assert our health sovereignty? How can we provide for our communities energy and food and water in the event of a distribution breakdown, whether it's accidental or imposed, right? So I look at all this, and I know this is getting replicated around the country and around the world, you know, that this isn't just a local phenomenon. The restoration of, of sovereignty of, of nation states in the face of globalism is, is going on around the world. So I'm very encouraged by that. And again, I emphasize, you know, um, this is a, a peaceful, nonviolent movement to, you know, protect these inalienable, unalienable rights spoken of in the Declaration. And, you know, I, I've always thought of myself as pretty much a, a, a middle-of-the-road, you know, normal American guy, you know, came from Chicago, so... Yeah, I was more or less a, you know, Chicago Democrat, but, you know, fiscally conservative, liberal on social issues, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that was a long time ago when I was buying into the political system. Now, you know, I just think of myself as a friend of mine put this really well. She put a post on Facebook about, about the vaccine and COVID. She's gotten COVID. It was terrible. She had pre-existing conditions. She barely got through it. Very tough woman, very spiritual. And so she said, hey, you know, the virus is real. And I am smart enough about follow the money, smart enough about the corrupt financial elite, smart enough about all of this to try to integrate the two sides here. Right? So she calls herself, I'm an integrative centrist with critical thinking skills. And that sounds pretty reasonable, right? I'm an integrative centrist. I'm not a radical either side. With critical thinking skills. So that's great. However, so is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and he just got banned from Instagram. Did you know about that, Nancy? A long list of people from different things. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, but RFK Jr. is, you know, particularly egregious example. Here you've got you know, a highly respected environmental lawyer with decades of, you know, very respected work and children's health defense. And he doesn't say, hey, we're not anti-vaccine. Vaccines have their place, you know. Um, and yet here's the whole story. You know, for, for him, <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, you're going you're going over the line. You're, you know, you're trying to get us to believe that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a danger to community standards. Seriously. So, uh, to me, well, this yeah, is you know. 
it, it comes yeah, back it comes back down to the concept of the you know we're at a time you know, you've pointed out that you know we've been through this kind of a scenario before and you do have a, a common people uprising that takes us as humanity to a new level of existence we're into this this is the fifth world you know the hopis the you know they talk the end of the fourth world well we're into the fifth world we have to decide what we're going to do with it so if you look at all of the things that they're doing that they have the audacity to shut or try to shut down robert kennedy that's insane you know but they have you know chumped the water so much with all of the absolute destructive revamping and rewriting of how we're trying to how they want us to think about ourselves this insane racism that they're saying that is systematic throughout the country that's not true that is absolutely not true you know white racism through the country no i'm sorry i know i've seen uh, you know we went through this yes there are pockets of it yes there are people that have all sorts of prejudice against somebody or some people. I mean, all of that's true, but it's not a systemic racism within the United States. But they keep pre- pressing this and pressing this and teaching the children younger and younger, and it only takes a generation before you lose your identity as a culture and a society. So right. we, have to, we have to look at what we're at right now. And, you know, again, talking about the, the way that your people are coming together, that's a 3D version of what, what, what's happening. I'm saying that we need to take that next step. We have to look at the spiritual messaging. What, what, what is it? Because they've alluded to it. If you look at the prophecies of the Bible and you really look at it, you've got to look like, say, like, oh, my gosh, this sounds awfully familiar. Okay? Now, one of the things, and Dolly, if you have that, um, that link to uh, Kim Clement, uh, that particular video... Dolly Poist posted this a uh, couple yesterday, I guess it was, and I listened to it last night. Now Kim Clement was a he died. Um, he was only 60 years old, and I think he died in 16. But it was it was, you know, not much after 16. So he was a singer, and he got into drugs, and then he found Jesus, and then he became uh, putting songs and music, and wrote a lot of songs and stuff. But he also began to be a minister and as he would take you know it would some people would call it channeling um i'm not sure that that's an accurate word for what he was doing because if you watch him it it's like he is getting messaging from god or jesus or the higher form of, of spirituality that he believed in and he would go before the his congregation and he would say you know and the lord said and he would tell what these sometimes dreams and sometimes just, you know, t- getting information in. And he, would, he, w- he related all this information. Well, now, understand that he was relating this. The earliest one was back in 08. And the guy that put together the video, I really, really like him. Because he was like, you know, so let's just look back. I thought that this meant this. But now let's look at it because we got more things on the table to look at. And look at it now. And I had already been encountering uh, Clement, Clement a few years ago. And his accuracy regarding Trump and the whole Trump saga was stunning. 
and he, he he did all that you know prior to knowing Trump at all. He didn't even I mean Trump wasn't this was before sixteen. I think that some of it was in fourteen. A lot of it one of it was in eight oh eight. But it was early. It was before Trump was really even on the stage, and yet the accuracy and details that he was that he was presenting, I mean it was it was really profound. But this guy's gone back to even more of the prophecies that he that uh, he would relate to his congregation. And now he's going like, look at him, he's talking about two impeachments. He's talking about two presidents. He's talking about, and the man, my David, because he always refers to, well he doesn't always, but he refers to Trump when when God is talking to him, or the Lord Jesus, he said, talks about my David, my David. And you know, the the words from God is, this is my nation, but I can't help you unless you ask me. And it, it's just a profound, uh, the, the ending isn't, you know, the, the, he hasn't, you know, stated what the ending is, but he set it up. And at one point, it just kind of like broke my heart because uh, Kim says, and I asked, why am I seeing this? before it's happening why so you know he realized that whatever he was telling people was in the future and but he didn't realize that he would never see it he'd be dead before then but the the magic of the way it's presented oh michael i think you'll really enjoy this guy and he did it was like listening to him you know the, because he was showing it's all on video the you know kim giving these these uh prophecies it's like it touches something inside of you. You know, it says, like, you're okay. God's got your back. Mm -hmm. And the plan, yeah. the plan we're talking about is God's plan. So what we need to do is not let ourselves go down the road of despair and fear. Or even feeling responsible because you can't save everybody. Not your job. Your job is to save yourself and to work you know, so it's just one of those situations where I think we have to make a decision at this pathway. You know, are we going to really start to push the, the, the concept of it's okay, of pushing the concept of God's got our back. This is a nation of people that honor and trust a God or the one God, or the many gods, but we are a country of faith, and we shouldn't give up that faith, that belief that we are more. Yeah, I'm so with you on this, Nancy. This is really, you know, the core for me of what I'm trying to do with, with my life and work here. And, you know, as you know, I've done a lot of activism, sacred activism, as I, you know, try to think of it as, and... Um, you know, for a lot of years, like the last 10 years or so, and stuck my neck out a fair amount. And I'm coming back around, you know, to kind of what you're saying here, that if we, you know, if, if we trust, there's a story that, that we can all let land in our hearts of this, of this faith, this trust, yes, we share information with our loved ones. Yes, you know, we, we take care of ourselves and our families and friends. We share as we can. Um, 
yeah, you know, we cooperate on a 3D level. Hey, I've got a local, you know, community watch organization here I'm part of, you know, Peace Patrol, just trying to keep peace in the community in a, a way we cooperate with our our county sheriff, you know, good constitutional sheriff guy. And the big story, it's just like you're saying, you know, it's all those lights that showed up across the entire southwest of America when you did your remote that time with the huge pollution spill in the river system, all those lights linking up, you know, in, in the eyes of Gaia herself before she said, now let the divine power work. The divine power of healing can work now because all these little individual lights of human will, of human faith, of human intention have joined together to say, this must not be cleansing, healing, restoration must be. And and that's, you know, that's where we are. I mean, my core skill, you know, I'm, I'm a storyteller. I was trained as an actor and a writer and... And yeah, I've done a lot of activism and, um, you know, all of that. And yet I'm seeing right now it's, it's the, the enthralling big picture story of humanity as, as children of the Heavenly Father, Mother, Friend, Beloved, God, however you want to address him or her, think of, of, you know, the Divine Mother or the Heavenly Father or the blend, which, of course, the Divine actually is the, the, the blend of these um, qualities. So, you know, that's what I get excited about these days is, okay, how can we tell a unifying story reminding us of our status as children of God in a way that brings us together and inevitably manifests in freedom and healing and and restoration and it's you know it's tricky when you listen to a broadcast like this that's it's you know so darn scary but it's what gets me most excited and it's the kind of stories you know that i'm working on these days so yeah it's all about the the spiritual battle which is already won we remind ourselves hey it's already won god's got my back we're home free we just got to follow through with the footwork well if you look at the people that we just listened to with you know just opened up to their energy these people are i mean they're living this they're they, they, that's their lives and yet they have a solidness to them they know who they are and what they need to do if not the details they have to make a change for the good for all of us for humanity. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't believe in the plan, believe in the people. Believe in the people out there like these two women and, and millions of people, millions and billions, probably, you know, so many people out there, we don't, we don't even have a comprehension of how many people are in this particular, we can do this, even if they don't know the yeah. things that we know. I was talking to my next door neighbors and they're young people. Uh, she just had a baby, and I'm looking at this baby, Michael, and this this child, I mean, I'm the oldest of 10, at least I think I know what a kid is supposed to look like at that age, and he's, you know, maybe two, plus a few, you know, a little bit, but not much, and he was so alert, he was watching everything, he had a, 
uh, an energy field that was really kind of took your breath away with this angelic look in his face. I mean, he was just amazing. And she's holding him, and he's absolutely not squirmy, not nose boogers, and that, none of that. It was just like, you know, this. it was weird talking to her, and she had her, her best friend there. But she was the one that says, you know, everybody, and I wasn't, you know, trying to pull anything out there. I was just talking to the neighbors. And she said, you know, everybody is, is, is so afraid of what's happening around us. But she said, I feel like it's a good thing. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is happening more than we are really understanding. That it's, it's happening to us. You know? Like, I mean, hey, listen, 5G, I thought we had lost the battle years ago. Um, the right. concept of the bankers and all of this control and all of the stuff i thought we yeah you know, i really didn't know that we could could change this and yet i'm seeing it change drastically and fast around us from just individual people opening themselves up to their own faith and maybe it takes this awfulness to get people to reach inside and get the 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 hand of god hold on to it you know we're okay yeah, exactly. You know, it it's hope. You know, it all really comes down to a, a gathering, strengthening hope that turns into, you know, to belief and faith and conviction and manifestation. And that's, you know, that's all neuropsychology of, you know, of how human beings manifest, you know, from just our, you know, our, our neurological mental processes of, of conviction that something can be so, is so. You know, I mean, if you saw um, the new Star Wars trilogy, you know, the one that concluded a couple of years ago with um, Rise of Skywalker, you know, in the first one, you got this guy, um, not uh, whatever his name was, you know, the new big bad villain, um, Snope, I think he was called. And he's saying to... Uh, to Kylo Ren, you know, the the good-looking bad guy, son of, of Han Solo and Princess Leia, he says to him, you know, I hoped that, you know, I believed that you would be the one to extinguish hope in the galaxy for our final victory. And that's really, you know, the whole arc of that trilogy is about can we keep hope alive? As long as we have kept hope alive, we are not defeated. And, you know, the, the first order of the evil empire cannot win. And, it, you know, they end up just this tiny little band of people in the Millennium Falcon after everybody else has been killed. But it's about hope. And then at the end, you see this little kid on a planet, a slave child, pushing his little broom. But he's heard about the rebellion. He's heard about Luke Skywalker, and he looks up and he sees the Millennium Falcon streak across the sky. And he reaches for his little broom, and the broom jumps into his hand because the kid is a Jedi. It, you know, he's a baby Jedi. And he looks up, and he knows that hope is alive because he's heard the story. It's the power of storytelling. It's like, and I know I've said this before, like at the end of Game of Thrones, you know, the dwarf character, um, Tyrion Lannister, he says, you know, what, what unites people? He asks, you know, the, the most powerful people, they're all gathered, they're what unites people? Is it gold 
Is it armies? Is it flags? He says, no, stories. There's nothing in the world more powerful than a good story. Nothing can stop it. No enemy can defeat it. And, and I think that's, you know, what we're doing our best to do here on Radio 5G. And I know you with, you know, Cosmic Reality and all your programs and, and the friends who join you. You know, it's about telling that true and powerful story of, of hope and of reliance on the divine. So, yeah, that's what keeps me going. Well, you know, it goes back to the to the what you alluded to earlier when there was uh, the king gold king mine blew a gasket when they were trying to clean it out, and right. it absolutely put you know millions and millions of tons of polluted heavy metals and everything else into the river. And yes, we were working with imagination, but we were working with imaginary characters that are real, <laughs> you know, i.e. Gaia, i.e. the jinn, i.e. the nature spirits, the water spirits. The, I mean, there's so, so many different versions of life that if you begin to open up yourself to seeing the connectedness of everything, then nothing's impossible. Everything is possible. And yes, it takes a certain amount of people to come together with the same vision of the same reality to make that the dominant reality. And they're trying very hard to muddle the game with all of this profane description of a reality that somebody wants, but certainly not us. And we right. just have to wake up and wake up the people. And yes, it is storytelling because it's all storytelling. They have their story. And the people that are not of the same you know, view of us, the ones that are wearing masks, the ones that are scared, the ones that are you know, terrifying to be around because they're so terrified, um, those people have their story. You've got to be able to let them do that free will universe let them go let them go i know i'm sounding like you know terrible let, let them go i've got family members i've got friends all you know going to get these vaccinations you've got to let them go you have to focus on the big picture don't get muddled with any of the distraction and drama that's out there focus on a future where we are um, so much more than we think we are, where we can manifest anything that we need, that we believe in gratitude, appreciation, and love, that it's a dominant energy on the planet. We can do this, but you got to focus on it, and you've got to ask for help. Call in the, call in the spiritual realm. We couldn't have done what we did. We cleared that water. It never was a problem. It would have killed four states in the Navajo Nation. That's just science fact. And we went yeah. out before anybody could say, well, it seems to have disappeared. We went out and we put our reputations on the line saying, this is what we did. Okay? And it's held. This happened back in, what was it, 16? 2015. 15. So, you know, we, we were able to do this, but we did it with the help of all sorts of nature spirits, of angelic beings, of the creator consciousness of the planet. 
Nothing was impossible, but it couldn't turn on until enough human beings woke up and said, no, we can't have this happen. Exactly. And boom, there you got it. So Amen each and every one of you is very, very important, and we got to say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, we do. It's 11.59. we got to get 45 seconds ahead of this close. So thanks, everybody. Radio 5G, a joint project of the Cosmic Reality Radio and the Sacred Alliance of Global Evolution. Thanks for being with us. God bless us, everyone. We'll see you next time, folks. Thank you for listening. May it be. Oh, let it be.